0: Good afternoon ladies and gentlemen. From One King West in downtown Toronto, welcome to the Empire Club of Canada. For those of you joining us either by webcast or podcast, welcome to the meeting. Let me say a few words about one of our head table guests. Pittman Patterson is a partner in the Toronto office of Gordon Ladner Gervais, LLP. He is the National Practice Group Leader of the Environmental Municipal Expropriation and Regulatory Practice Group at BLG. His work focuses on administrative law with an emphasis on planning and development, expropriation and municipal law. He has also experienced in environmental and real estate civil litigation, all of which makes him more than qualified to introduce our honoured guest, Maurizio Balavuakwa.
1: Thank you Steve. As Steve said, my name is Pittman Patterson. I'm a partner with BLG and BLG has had the privilege of working with the City of Vaughan for many years and so it is my great pleasure to introduce today's speaker, his worship the Honourable Maurizio Bevilacqua, Mayor of the City of Vaughan. Mayor Bevilacqua will be speaking today about purpose-driven leadership The Mayor has dedicated his career to public service and leadership, serving as a Member of Parliament for 22 years until 2010, and now serving as his third term as Mayor of the City of Vaughan. Mayor Bevilacqua has a Bachelor of Arts from York University, a Masters from Fordham University, the Jesuit University of New York, which he obtained in 2018. And he informed me that he has just recently received a Master of Laws from the University of Toronto and studies from 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. in his spare time. The mayor's record of leadership while an MP and as mayor can be captured in his extensive experience. He has had several roles, including Minister of State for Finance, Minister of State for Science, Research and Development, as well as Chairman of the House of Commons Standing Committee on Finance. He is presently the Chair of the Electra Utilities Integration Committee, Vice-Chair of York Region Rapid Transit Corporation, Chair of the Hospice Vaughan Capital Campaign, as well as Chair of the McKenzie Health Foundation $250 million Ultimate Campaign. Mayor Bevilacqua is a member of the York Region Police Services Board, a member of Global Cities Leaders Advisory Board, for the World Council on City Data, as well as a member of the Advisory Council for the Postgraduate Certificate in Business Administration at York University's School of Continuing Studies. He's also a past Vice-Chair of VersaBank and past Chair of PowerStream Energy Services. There are three indicia of the Mayor's purpose-driven leadership that stand out for me. Mayor Bevilac was passion for philanthropy and rallying those who are most fortunate to be generous toward those of us who are most in need and toward their communities at large. I think of the mayor's annual gala, which raises extraordinary funds for a wide variety of causes, not least of which is the McKenzie Health Foundation's ultimate campaign, which has raised over $160 million toward the McKenzie Vaughan Hospital. Second, I think of the remarkable transformation of the the city itself, led by the Vaughan Metropolitan Centre, emerging as a truly urban downtown. A centre which actually has a subway, which proves that subways can get built in the GTA. Finally, Mayor Bevilacqua remains grounded every day in service to the public. For anyone attuned to the Mayor's social media feeds, this is self-evident, particularly in his frequent recognition of the good work of city staff and of those otherwise serving their communities. While an MP in 2010, <clears throat> Mayor was said this in the House of Commons in respect of a successful bipartisan effort to advance immigration legislation. It is proof that in our vocation, when we answer the call of public service, we can achieve great objectives for the sole purpose of demonstrating the fact that we are not in this place for some vanity trip or for the power of self-indulgence. Rather, we are here to bring about positive change to the lives of people and a great willingness to do good for society and show respect for our democratic institutions and indeed for the democracy within which we live in our country. Now please turn your attention for a video presentation visible on the screens. I'd like to introduce our keynote speaker, His Worship, the Honourable Maurizio Bevilacqua, Mayor of the City of Vaughan.
2: Thank you so much everyone. Uh, For the Mayor of Vaughan, as you know, to come to the City of Toronto is considered a foreign visit. But I do want to say how pleased uh, I am. Uh, First of all, let me express uh, my gratitude to uh, Pittman for that very thorough uh, presentation. You're very kind. Nice introductory remarks. And it's just uh, a reminder how long I've been around. So thank you so much for reminding me of that. And Mike, thank you so much. Uh, This is uh, an excellent turnout uh, for uh, this uh, luncheon uh, is something that I was really looking forward to. I think that uh, it's important during this time, the history of our city, and indeed our our country, that we share perspectives, uh, exchange thoughts and ideas, and move agendas forward that ultimately would, in fact, improve the quality of life for the citizens that we collectively represent. It is a great privilege uh, to be here. Today, recognizing the long uh, and rich history of the Empire Club, I, I want to thank you. Thank you for providing this forum, uh, for being a place uh, where ideas are, uh, and thoughts and perspectives uh, are shared and advanced. I think it's a very important role uh, that you play. And on behalf of the over 300,000 people that proudly call the city of Vaughan their home, I want to express to the Empire Club my sincerest gratitude for this wonderful invitation. In a world of uh, constant change, uh, your role, of course, has become uh, increasingly important and, and vital uh, to public discourse. First of all, when I want to get on the record. I, I always say that uh, and believe that public service is uh, a vocation, not a job. Um, I want to really today have a frank discussion uh, about uh, public service, uh, elected office, and purpose driven leadership. I want to share with you how its principles have helped me change uh, the direction of, of our city and how it's been a very transformational impetus to bring about change to, uh, to, to the citizens of Vaughan. It is both humbling and uh, a sacred experience to be entrusted by one's uh, fellow neighbors to do what is right and what is just uh, for the betterment of society. I remember a conversation uh, I had with uh, the Dalai Lama and he stressed to me that uh, it is not enough uh, to be compassionate. uh, He said we must act on the challenges that we face as individuals. After every election campaign, when I meet with uh, members of parliament, members of provincial parliament uh, or indeed our own very own council, I remind my elected colleagues that Uh, we must remember not to let the euphoria of victory uh, make us lose sight of what matters most and what requires our immediate attention. We are essentially temporary stewards. Our mandates are an opportunity to really seize the moment, to bring about positive change, and do it in a way that answers Rabbi Ilel's three famous questions purposeful questions when he says, if I am not for myself, then who will be for me? He goes on to say, but when I am just for myself, then what am I? And if not now, when? Basically, I'm saying that there is no celebrity in service. It should be, should not be, I should say, a, a vanity trip. We must uh, never lose sight or perspective. We must work hard and and honestly and avoid complaining. uh, Purpose-driven leadership is really missionary work. And in an era of demanding 24-hour news cycles, we all see them, exhausting and offensive social media commentary and shallow sunbites that uh, cry out for instant gratification We need missionaries in government, in business, in opposition, and amongst the uh, citizenry. But to be a missionary, one must be prepared for setbacks, hardships, and what often appear to be insurmountable challenges, all in pursuit of a higher calling to safeguard and elevate the quality of life for others. It requires focus, it requires discipline, and it requires determination. Having been elected a Member of Parliament at the age of 28, I received to the call for service very quickly in my life, relatively speaking. And although I've experienced the reality of public life with all its ups and, and downs, I remain committed to the mission and the faith, trust and confidence the people continue to place in me. Before I I took my seat in the House of Commons, my personal journey began in a town of 25,000 people in the region of Abruzzo, Sulmona, Italy. That's where I was born. This is also the birthplace of a very famous Roman poet by the name of Ovid. I arrived in Canada at the age of 10. Uh, my mother and father left uh, behind familiar and familiar settings and sacrificed relentlessly uh, their entire lives so that their children could, could reach higher, achieve more. But in our family, it was always underlined, emphasized that most importantly, we're here to give back. My mother was a seamstress and my father, a small business owner and a renowned cyclist. I learned uh, at a very young age uh, the power of hope and optimism. A seamstress uh, lives in a state of flow. A seamstress really creates beauty for others. An athlete, like my father, relied on his tenacity, preparation, and his indomitable spirit to reach his or her goals. And this is where I first discovered the essence of purpose-driven leadership. It is service above self. It is about doing what is right, just and good, not what is popular and politically expedient. When you set your sights on running for public office, you cannot look to the future with a short-sighted view. Of the electoral cycle. City building and nation building cannot be achieved in a four-year term. Your ideas, your policies and work need to far outlast your departure from the corridors of power. And when I speak of power, I speak of the power, not the power of self-indulgence, but rather the power that gives you the tools to serve people and better their lives. I was an MP for 22 years. I held positions of Minister of State for Finance, Minister of State for Science, Research and Development, and for five years I chaired the House of Commons Finance Committee. Back then, Canada's economy was in real bad shape. The Wall Street Journal referred to, to Canada as an economic basket case. I devoted a great deal of time, energy, and purpose to combating Canada's crushing deficits finding line-by-line savings, and working alongside Prime Minister Jean Chrétien and Finance Minister Paul Martin to balance budgets, deliver five straight years of surpluses, and elevate our nation's place as a respected leader of fiscal responsibility among G7 nations. A few years later, the media was referring to us as the top dog of the G7. When challenged, back then we could have chosen through, to throw our arms up in despair and gave up on our country's economy. We had a massive deficit, an escalating debt, high unemployment, and the IMF was literally knocking on our doorsteps. They were showing concerns about our economic well-being. And the task at that point in time could have seemed insurmountable. However, we, what we did is We chose to put an action plan together that eliminated the deficit, paid down our debt, and brought upon an economic renaissance where people and where we regained our capacity to reinvest in people's priorities like healthcare, education, and research and development. Most importantly, we're not afraid of the challenge. During a visit I had the Vatican, John Paul II reminded me to never ever give up on hope, never doubt, never tire, and never be discouraged, be not afraid. That was a meaningful encounter, which I have often recalled throughout my public life. People mistakenly romanticized the idea of balanced budgets, although the end goal is noble and one worth fighting for, the path. The path can be long, it can be lonely, and it could be filled with dissent. But with purpose comes perseverance. We could not give up. Uh, It was in the national interest to press on. Not only are these principles cornerstones of nation building, but as mayor I can tell you they are cornerstones of city building as well. In my journey, after careful consideration, uh, deep reflection, and, and contemplation, I knew that my next step in my pilgrimage of purpose through leadership would take me. And that purpose led me to the Park Parliament to leave the House of Commons and return home to lead my city. I entered City Hall determined to fulfill the promise of Vaughan. One of my first acts as Mayor of Vaughan was to enshrine in writing what purpose-driven leadership is truly all about. This led me to champion the creation and unanimous adoption of the Vaughan Accord, an historic document that commits all members of council to serving the city in a manner which reflects a positive image and instills civic pride. Today Vaughan has an exciting, promising, and unprecedented future on the horizon. That is because over the past five years, we have built uh, this future together brick by brick upon a solid foundation of values articulated, enshrined and adhered to the accord. The first of the 12 principles listed in the accord speak of accountability. From the Office of the Integrity Commissioner to the Office of the Internal Auditor to our anonymous reporting system and our lobbyist registry, Vaughn continues to deliver a governance framework unmatched anywhere in Canada. Ultimately, city building is a labor of love. That's exactly what it is. As I state this, I'm reminded of a poem I reread a few years ago when I was completing my Master of Arts degree in Christian Spirituality at Fordham University, the Jesuit University of New York City. The poem was written by Father Pedro Arupe, a Basque, a Jesuit priest who served as the 20th Superior General for the Society of Jesus. The poem is entitled, Fall in Love. From the poem, you realize that when you fall in love with your city, it will capture your imagination. It will affect everything that you do. It will decide what will get you out of bed in the morning. It will, uh, what you read, uh, whom you know, what amazes you with joy and, uh, and gratitude and fulfillment. Essentially, when you fall in love with your city, that energy decides everything. And I know this to be true, because the poem really captures the very core of why I am in public life and in public service, and embodies the very essence of purpose-driven leadership. Love of City is the energy that propels you forward when the odds are stacked up against you. It is the energy that does not allow you to succumb to complacency, nor fall into a false sense of security when there is much more to build and create so that citizens may experience a higher standard of living and quality of life. It is the energy that makes reaching the $250 million ultimate campaign for Canada's first smart technology hospital a reality. It is the energy that reminds us that city building is not a function of the electoral cycle, but rather a duty and an obligation to future generations. And that thought, that thought is what drives us, what drives us to open a 900 acre park known as the North Maple Regional Park, a park larger than New York City's Central Park. And maybe one day, one day a hundred years from now, maybe 200 years from now, 300 years from now, people will say when the population of Vaughan is probably in the millions, people will say that back in 2019, there's a group of people who decided that in fact it would be wise to invest in green spaces so that people future generations could in fact benefit from a wonderful environment it is uh, really the, the love for city is what allows us as members of council people in the community to set up the conditions where 12,000 businesses are capable and willing uh, to create over 225,000 jobs. It is the same energy, that love of city, that propels uh, my city to grow at a 4% per annum rate and a virtually full employment. And, and we're doing this, and we're far outpacing, far outpacing the province We're far outpacing the country. It is that energy, it is that same energy that resulted in the opening of a subway in our emerging downtown core, the Vaughan Metropolitan Center, where 30,000 people will work and live in places like Expo City, Transit City, the KPMG Tower, and have access to community amenities like the YMCA, libraries, and green spaces like Edgley Pond. It is that same energy that I talked about earlier that gathers people together at meeting places throughout our city to raise funds for causes worth fighting for in our society. It is the energy that makes you attract a university to our city. The very first, Niagara University, to our city while at the same time there are campuses being cancelled in other cities. It is that energy, that energy that makes all this possible. Because when I was told a few years ago that we could not get a university to our city because of fiscal cutbacks and priorities, real ones, I said to myself that I had to do what I had to do to make sure that we would expand educational opportunities for citizens and students in my city to access a university. And and so when you find doors shut in one area you can't give up. You need to go out and seek it elsewhere. And if it's not in our country you go somewhere else. And That's exactly what I did. That door was open and today we have Niagara University in the Expo City Complex adding incredible value uh, to to our city and it is truly a joy to see students from Vaughan attending this great university that by the way it is a binational university over 5,000 teachers that that teach in the Ontario uh, education system are graduates of Niagara University, a a university with deep roots in our community. And so it is that same energy that I've been talking about that uh, provides clarity of vision. When you love your city, you have that sense of belonging to it, of making sure that you can do whatever, you must do whatever it takes to bring about the type of change that is required. It is that energy that gives you the ability to bring the future to the present and makes you sign a memorandum of understanding with McKenzie Health, Venture Lab, and York University to shape a world-class healthcare precinct on 82 acres of land where innovation, commercialization, teaching and learning will take place. It is that same energy that produces social cohesion in a place where over 100 languages are spoken, where people from all over the world are welcomed and they are welcomed to practice their faith, free from persecution and to live in a spirit of cooperation and respect. It is the energy when men and women in uniform and the community work closely together to build the safest region in the country. That energy. That energy is really about purpose driven leadership in a city to me means greater access to education, health care, transportation, a commitment to environmental stewardship. These are the anchors of any modern thriving city. In 2010, my city did not have a subway. In 2010, we did not have a hospital. In 2010, we did not have a downtown core, rapid ways. We did not have a 900 acre park, and f- quite frankly, we had 60,000 fewer jobs. With a focus agenda for change, the city has transformed itself. Purpose driven leadership is really the reason. Because we must anchor ourselves to values that are sound, rooted in hope, rooted in optimism, rooted in work ethic that speaks to doing whatever it takes to serve, not your personal interests, but to serve the interests of the people that you represent. As a person who's been in public life now, Pittman, you Pointed it out quite clearly over 31 years. I can tell you that my take on politicians and people in, in public life, some of whom are here, by the way, Linda Jackson's here, Sandra Young Racco, and Gina Rosatti, and thank you so much for joining me, members of council. What drives politicians is the desire to give. It might be a different take on what people may think about politicians. But what brings me joy is to see people living fulfilling lives in my city. People doing better, being taken care of. Every morning when I get up, what makes me get up in the morning is an incredible love for the city I I lead. And that love is really what purpose driven leadership is truly all about and so this is just not poetry it goes beyond the poem of pedro rupe this is reality if i delivered these words without having the 4% unemployment rate and 4% economic growth and the 60,000 jobs since 2010 and a 900 acre park and the von metropolitan center where 30,000 people live and and, 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 you heard it, then you'd probably say, this guy just likes poetry. But that's not the case. I have come to the conclusion that without loving your city, and I mean truly loving your city, falling in love with your city, I don't think you can lead. And if you, if you don't love being a servant of the people, I don't think you can lead, you cannot lead if you don't believe that your purpose is to be there for others. And so today I as I was driving down one thing I noticed is that our public works department is better than the city of Toronto's. So, um, <laughs> but I don't tell John that please. Um, what I noticed was that, you know, as I as I look around, I mean we we're so blessed, you know. We're so blessed to give to have an opportunity to serve, to to give of ourselves to a greater cause, to to to, to see what we collectively when we work together in harmony, what, what we can achieve. And I and I have to say this, I think that in the public policy process of this country and we need not go south for obvious reasons, um, I think the politics and public service would be better served if people would focus on the qualities and the values and the principles that I've been speaking about today. And politicians and leaders need to also feed their spirit. I mean, uh, a world that is, we're talking about this earlier, around the table, you know, the, this world is kind of noisy, and it's kind of static, and it's, there's all this, noise surrounding the busy of being busy, and people have real issues. And, and, then, I, and then I go down to Atlanta two, three weeks ago, and I, I'm in front of the grave of uh, Martin Luther King and thinking about what this man went through, and we've got issues, right? You know, I sat on his porch and contemplating and thinking about his life and and how he died and what he fought for. I mean, that is meaningful, purposeful life because he spent his life advancing civil rights. A few weeks ago, I was at the Vatican and there was this incredible, beautiful statue that was unveiled. And it's called Angels Unaware by, by a sculptor by the name of Timothy Schmaltz, a Canadian. And I was total awe, and and you should look it up. And it's this boat with immigrants from all over the world, Muslims and Jews and and Italians and Portuguese and indigenous people. And St. Joseph was there too. I mean, this boat and this artist was able to capture the importance of humanity and how we can be on the same boat and, and live together in harmony and get to the place, the port that we need to get to. Provided we're willing to be generous with each other. And so as I stood there at St. Peter's Square and I have this incredible, incredible piece of art in front of me, I'm obviously going down memory lane and recognizing how this country was built and how immigrants from all over the world, all over the world have come to this place to build something that is truly magnificent, something that is extremely special. But to see all the communities, different faiths on that boat, all all together was was a fantastic experience that I will never forget. And just a few days ago, we were at Yad Vashem. You know, a reminder of the Holocaust. And what happens when the politics of love and principle is not adhered to? when we lower ourselves to some very horrendous values that's what happens and as I walk through as I walk through Yad Vashem and heard the names of children parents grandparents who had lost their lives because someone decided that he had a bigger project for humanity these are the profound profound and meaningful and purposeful projects that we ought to be advancing, and when we practice the politics of a love, of understanding, of compassion, when we raise raise our values, approach public life at a higher frequency, then all the, the little things really won't matter. Because the same thing that we've been able to do in our city, by transforming its values, principles, and beliefs, by rowing in the same direction, by coming together, has achieved the enormous change. And I believe that this application, and this can be applied to not just a city or a town or an amulet, this can be applied worldwide. If we're willing, if we're willing to suspend our biases, if we're willing to work towards something that is more meaningful, more beautiful, and longer lasting. And so, as uh, as someone who prescribes to this philosophy of purpose-driven leadership, and I have for many, many years, uh, as I look at this room, I know that every single person in this room has a story—great joys, great sorrows. You know incredible challenges, great victories but that is the human condition. And I think that if we recognize that uh, with purpose, with with greater understanding, with uh, a greater willingness uh, to share and be kind to each other and be more understanding of our innate flaws because we're all flawed. I don't think there's anybody in this room that is not flawed. And so today at this Empire Club, I want to express uh, to you my warmest and sincerest gratitude for this opportunity to share a few thoughts, thoughts that I've uh, gathered and have been in my heart for a long time, for over three decades now. But I think it's important also for people in political leadership roles to share these feelings uh, and not worry about them. I mean, this is how I feel. Some people may like it, some people may not like it. Some people may think, this guy likes poems. But I love what you all stand for and what you give to make this world uh, a better place. So I want to thank you so much for taking the time. I know that uh, the conditions out there were what they were. But even that's beautiful, because for me, the fact that you made the extra effort, and that you bought snow tires from a local tire factory, uh, makes me very happy. Thank you so much.
0: Wow, uh, thank you so much. Uh, great- We're going to have a chance for a few questions uh, from the room, and there'll be some mics uh, moving around. Um, So, but let me kick it off. Uh, Your words were inspiring. Uh, When we talk about politics today, social media, electoral cycles, you touched on a bit of that. And then yet you express, um, I think, what many Canadians probably hope of public life, that people will think about service beyond self, that they'll think about purpose-driven life. Um, You know, maybe I'll go in a direction, uh, different direction with this question and ask you, what would you say to people, young people looking at politics today, not liking all the anger and the vitriol concerned about getting involved uh, you know what might uh, lessons might you have uh, for them as they consider that to, uh, to uh, s- seek public life and, and know that it's not just a, you know a fight and a, 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 a match of, uh, a match of shortest uh, most uh, problematic uh, spurs and you know you know the, you know the challenges of public life today no, I,
2: I think you touch upon a, a very important issue and I think that we collectively people in this room have a responsibility to encourage people, uh, to enter public life. For all its uh, imperfections, uh, democracy is still the best system that we have. I think people would be amazed about what can be achieved when you are in public life and, and how you can really change the world. But it really begins with you. I think young people need to to, to recognize that it's not beyond them. I mean, great ideas come from young people. Uh, they are very much in tune with the new trends, perhaps even more than we are. And one thing I will say, there's a lot of commentary about millennials, right? You've heard of them, right? Millennials though, I think in many ways, uh, practice the art uh, without getting uh, too philosophical or theological here, but they have greater detachment to material goods. They seek experiences. They're able to, they're, they're more colorblind than we were in past generations. They're more compassionate, they're more caring. Uh, they, they're accepting of, of people, regardless of their faith, sexual orientation, uh, a lot more than I think than, than we were uh, growing up. And, and for me, it's, it's, it's a source of joy because I think that they will be ready you know, you always hear the comment about, you know, they have a different style of working and all that kind of stuff. But at the end, values and principles, same values and principles in the long run are, are what makes the world a better place. And so I'm very confident that you will see the emergence of a new generation that is going to be rock solid. Uh, I re- I'm very, very hopeful. I see the way they are about human rights, uh, how they are about the uh, whole issue sexual orientation, gender equity, uh, how they interrelate with, uh, with each other in ways that uh, past generations have, have not done. And I think that if there's going to be a power shift in today's society, uh, it will probably happen with the millennials. Uh, I think they have a great sense of the world, uh, largely aided by their incredible capacity to utilize the tools of the technological advancements that we have made as a society. Uh, and they have a great sense of, uh, uh, of belonging. Uh, I, I witness that on a, on
0: a daily basis. Well, thank you. Um, are there any questions uh, from the room? What about answers? Uh, The one last thing i'm uh, i'm wondering about is you have built a lot of things you've got things done uh, and that seems uh harder and harder today you know i'm i'm here in the city of toronto and and we struggle with that um maybe something you think's been key to unlocking actually getting stuff done
2: getting stuff done i mean i'm very fortunate to uh, to live in a community where uh, there are people that roll up their sleeves Uh, some of them are here uh, in this room and I, I think it all comes down to humanity and, 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 and relationships. I, if I can draw just from a beautiful example, uh, Altaf uh, Station Wall is here with me, and we had a really long journey in building this hospital, we have a great team behind us. But when Altaf and I started, it wasn't that easy, right? And we had to establish common ground be- before we could break new ground in the hospital. But we did that, because humanity has a way of finding its flow, or you get you know, individuals who I just spotted here. You've got, you probably recognize Mr. Cortelucci from the video. Uh, you know, a donation of $40 million that came from the heart, right? Or Sylvia the Gaspers and his partners as well, $20 million. And I'm not, not, not talking about numbers because you know, they're impressive high numbers. I'm just talking about the spirit of generosity that exists in our city. Uh, people recognize that we're blessed. People recognize that that we're doing exceptionally well, those economic numbers are what they are. It's not fake news, they actually exist, right? But yet, you know, I think it's really important in life to have leaders that have had a track record in the sense of being involved in the community, and I'll tell you why. Because I've made a, I head up this, uh, ultimate campaign that you talked about, $250 million. I don't do it all by myself. It's a lot of people. We have an incredible campaign committee. But one thing, as we were going through the figures, that I tracked was that people that have given me large sums of money and give the hospital large sums of money, I've known for over 30 years. And that says a lot to me because it says that, first of all, my, in my community we have sustained friendships. We have uh, the ability to understand that we're there for in, you know, together for each other, one another, to, to help each other out. And these individuals could have easily been absent. And there are some that are absent. These are decisions we make in life. You know, I remember going to see somebody and I said, you know, you're such a big part of, of our community and I can't believe you won't be part of this hospital. And I said, you know, can you donate a flower pot? He said, a flower pot? Yeah, no, I I said, I just want you there. Whatever you give, just give me something. I I want you to be there because you've created so many jobs and, and you've been such an integral part of the community that it would be crazy not to be present. Two weeks later, the person calls me into his office. I go there and he's made and he gave me $10 million for the campaign. An expensive pot, I would say. (laughs) But the point is this, right? The campaign's not about the mayor, and it's not about the chair, and it's not about the CEO, and it's not about Krista and everyone else, and Lucy. We really are successful because it's not about us. It's about the community. We had, and I'm gonna share this, we had some, I can share that, right? Eh? Altaf? I think we'll share the early beginnings. We had a lot of issues related to ownership of the land and these organizations, trying to figure out which way was up and, you know, anyways, to make the, to make the, the long story short, at the end of the day we came to an agreement, and I'll tell you how. Whenever the person would bring out the contract, and refer to Article 4, subsection 3, I would say, now, how does that affect the mother expecting a child? And then he says, yeah, but 8.2 has that we are going to I said, yeah, but how is the cancer patient going to be helped by this article in this contract? And the conversation went to the point where the person said, you know, it's not really about the clauses most of which are boilerplate clauses, as I learned recently. Um, but I, I just think they have to go beyond the, the immediate. And it's, and you don't want to get into power struggles that are not really going to resolve in anything. You know, they, you know, Mitch Marner was, I, I, I chair this uh, hospice bond campaign, we're finished there, 12, $12 million, we did that already. Mitch Marner came, and you know, the community, we, he was bidding, we were bidding on his sweater, right. and we I had an auction, and, he, and the community, $20,000 for a sweater. That's the community we live in. And I know some members of council are here, too, and I want to tell them that you know, the modest success I've had as mayor is in large part because of, of their incredible support and how dedicated they are to the city. It's, we can't do it alone. The, the point that I'm making is that regardless of whether you're in politics, public life, whatever it is, get rid of this sort of illusion that, that we can do it all by ourselves, because we can't. We really can't. Like, we need each other. We're interdependent. Uh, I can, you can come out with all sorts of issues if you don't have the support of your, of your colleagues, if you don't have the support of people around you. If I was knocking on doors for the hospital and nobody was answering, we wouldn't be, I think we're at 170 now, 170 million. What probably 18 to 24 months that we've really, really been at it now, which is incredible for a community. But you know, what are the roots? I'll tell you something about our roots. People that have done exceptionally well in my community are bootstrappers. These are not people that have come from wealth. These are people that, you know, had to really work hard. These are people that nothing was given to them. This is all. They, you know, on Bay Street they call it equity, in Vaughan I call it sweat equity, it's a new term. Because they actually had to earn it. The beauty of it though is that they haven't forgotten where they came from. So accessibility to healthcare, for example, right? if, you're, if you don't have the means to access it, and you know, we have that issue here as well, it's not, not just in the US, it's in many places access to health care is largely diminished if you wouldn't build a hospital, right? I mean, if you don't have a place to go, and you, you were, you're having these long lineups, the accessibilities, or at least the level, the quality, is reduced. But what I find with, uh, with people that I deal with in our business community is that they understand all that because they've been through it, because they were once the workers, and then they became the foremen, and then they became uh, the owners, and so on and so forth. But this notion uh, of giving back is an integral part of who we are, and that's why we are uh, as successful uh, as we are. You know, it, it's kind of interesting. I'm involved in philanthropic work uh, in the excess of $280 to $290 million in a community, in a single community. And it's not that the mayor is brilliant. You know what I have that's brilliant? I have. A spirit of generosity that permeates throughout the community and it's not just the big checks that you see it's events like the run for Vaughan where people are running five ten kilometers it's it's the various ethnocultural groups who feel part of the part of the the hospital so once you create that kind of harmonious environment uh, you you get the literally the, the love that, that I feel every day in, in, in my city, and it's manifested in, uh, in many, many different ways. And I also want, since I'm here, I also want to pay tribute to, to the administration that works for the city. Uh, you know, we promote ourselves, you know, service excellence is extremely important, and uh, they, are, they represent the very best of what public service is about. Uh, and so, you know, you shouldn't be surprised that we draw tens of thousands of people up to, our, to our events. In aggregate terms for whether it's concerts in the parks or or what have you so um needless to say i like toronto but i do like vaughn moore uh the uh and this is a beautiful building
0: Uh, a big heart getting the big things right uh mayor bella I'm gonna call up uh, Sean McFarling uh, from LiUNA to offer proper appreciation.
3: Thank you, Mike. Thank you, Mayor Bevilacqua for your insights today on purpose-driven leadership. You are a true visionary and a leader for the betterment of our communities and community building. I'm here today on behalf of LIUNA. We represent 130,000 members in the province of Ontario, uh, working primarily in the construction industry. Over 80,000 of those members are here in the GTA, and Vaughan is the home of our largest training center. We work in partnership with all levels of government towards a common goal, which the mayor spoke of today. Purpose-driven leadership, focused on building communities and enhancing the lives of our members and their families. We embrace working with leaders like Mayor Bevilacqua. Mayor Bevilacqua's success over 30 years in public service is a testament to his leadership, his vision and his determination. He is a champion for the city of Vaughan and a role model for the rest of Ontario and indeed Canada. He has a clear mission to bring about urban transformation create economic prosperity, and enhance education. We saw in the video his commitment to the community, and it's evident his dedication to many worthy causes. In particular, I note the construction of the Vaughan subway station, and the $250 million ultimate campaign to build Canada's first smart hospital. And I'm very proud to be up here to say that our members are a part of both of those projects. These are important jobs for our membership, and they are proud to be building the community of Vaughan. We look forward to working with you more in the future, and we thank you for your thoughts today.
0: Wonderful. We, I will tell you about a couple of events we have coming up. On December 12th, we have Stephen Poloz, who's the Governor of the Bank of Canada, and I'm very excited about December 13th. We are going to present our inaugural Nation Builder of the Year Award. It's going to the Toronto Raptors. We'll have Masai Ujiri uh, there to accept it. Uh, the Mayor has joined, and uh, Mayor of Toronto, and Superfan has joined uh, that event as well. Um, thank you very much. This meeting is adjourned.